That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. This is the Tony G Show. This is our golden episode of season six, Will. Oh, yeah. 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 22nd episode of season six on the 22nd day of April. Yeah. Oh, how cute. <laughs> Only three episodes remain this season after this one. Our next episode is Tuesday. We have Matthew Swanson, our NFL draft expert, to discuss the NFL draft. Next Thursday, a week from now, is our Jason Fonder episode. We have it confirmed. We have it locked in. April 29th is our Jason Fonder episode. And then after that one, Tuesday, May 5th, or excuse me, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. That, you know, that's mm-hmm. how I remember it. May 4th, Tuesday, May 4th, our season finale, season six. Crazy. Yeah. Three don't, episodes. Don't cry, Will. I'm, it's okay. All right. I'll just, like, softly cry over here about myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm used to that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right. Those episodes and this episode available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow him on Twitter at Willis5312 if you want to. Follow me on Twitter at Tony G Show if you want to. Interact with us. Engage with us. Let us know what's cracking. Right, Will? Yes, sir. Okay. This episode. Got a good episode planned. Another good one. I mean, we are hitting on all cylinders with the topics here. We're going to start today's show talking about the Milwaukee Brewers through their first 18 games. A Brewers analysis through the first 18. Then we'll back it up talking about a name that we've mentioned so often on this show, Will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like he makes an appearance on this show. Not not an appearance, but his name makes an appearance. We talk about him at least like three times a season. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it's pretty frequent that he makes it. Standard. That he, that, I mean, he's just in the news all the time. Tony G Show has to break it down. Antonio Brown's past and future. We'll look at that more in depth in segment number two. Segment number three... The NFL and their jersey numbers, they have released the restrictions and and loosened the restrictions, I should say, on what numbers can be worn by certain players at certain positions. We'll get into that to end the show. What do you think, Will? We're in for a good one today or no? Yeah, I'm pumped up to talk about the, the jersey numbers. I don't know about you, but it'll be fun. Not one. the other two? Not so much. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's just do it. Have a show. What do you think? Yeah, let's have a day. Yeah. Let's, let's have, I like I like how Will says it. Let's have a day. Let's have a show. This is the Tony G show. golden episode of season six on the tony g show 22nd episode on the 22nd day of april isn't that cool we're at 20 22 episodes no 22nd season 22nd season <laughs> i can't imagine what the tony g that's like simpsons type stuff yeah i mean we better have a larger following than what we have now if we're at 22 seasons i mean i feel like well, let me put it this way now yeah. i put in a lot of work for our listeners now mm-hmm. through six seasons yeah i mean if we get to 22 I don't know where I'll be in life. I'll probably have a family by that. I don't know. I mean, 22 seasons, are you kidding? We'll be at least a couple years down the road. At least. Like at bare It's like a decade, I think. Yeah. Because we do two seasons, so it's like 11 years. Wow. And if I'm putting in if I'm putting in work to have a Tony G show at 22 seasons in 11 years when I'm 32 with a family probably, hopefully, 
in a real career, it? it better be worth it. There better be some, and I'm not saying it's not worth it now. I really do enjoy doing it and like having the fan interaction. But if I'm doing it then, I better be cast into the millions. <laughs> the how, millions. How old is Bryce Harper when, he's, when his contract will be up? I'll be 32 when Bryce Car- Harper's contract is up. So his contract will be, be right just around. getting up. <laughs> 20 second season of the Tony G show. My goodness. What are we talking about? What are we doing? I don't know. Season six, episode 22. That's what we're doing. Let's start here talking about the Brewers analysis through their first 18 games. They're 11 and seven coming off of a sweep in San Diego of the Padres. Big sweep, big series. And they're, they're coming in hot to a weekend series where they head to Chicago. I want to go through these three games where they swept San Diego because it sets up what I want to talk about so far with the Milwaukee Brewers this season. Game one, they won 3-1, to one, the Brewers did over the Padres. Brandon Woodruff got the win. He went to 1-0 with a record. They beat Joe Musgrove, who was coming off of a no-hitter his last time around. Josh Hader got the save. He would later get the save in game three as well. Game two, well, before I get there to game two, Brandon Woodruff in game one, six innings pitched, one hit, one earned run, Seven Ks as well as three walks. Very impressive. We're going to go over his season stats coming up here in a second. Corbin Burns got the win in game two as the Brewers won six to nothing over Chris Paddock. Burns went to 2-0. and He went six innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, 10 Ks. And this is the interesting thing here because you've been seeing this all over social media. You've been hearing it get talked about on national sports talk radio and this and that, whatever. But we're going to talk about it here because... I mean, it's it's mind-boggling numbers that have been put up by this Brewers starting rotation as well as Corbin Burns. This is why I'm going through these three games. Corbin Burns has not allowed a walk this season. He has 40 strikeouts this season. A 40-strikeout-to-no-walk ratio is unbelievable that's to start insane. a season. I mean, that's nuts. Not to mention Burns leads Major League Baseball starters with a .37 earned run average. A sub .4 earned run average. That's insane. That's nuts. I mean, like, sub 1 is mind-boggling. And he's sub 4. <laughs> sub .4, I should say. What? Granted, that's only 18 games, but still. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's only a couple starts. But that's still nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's ridiculous numbers. Yeah. And there's this interesting record, this stat out there. That that 40 strikeouts to no walks to start a season is the second most ever since 1893. Wow. And the first ever is Kenley Jansen, a closer, who had 51 strikeouts with no walks. So Burns is kind of closing the gap there between him and Kenley Jansen. But the command is off the charts for Corbin Burns, who, you know, we're going to get into his stats and, and Brandon Woodruff's stats, stats a little bit later. But the command is there for Corbin, and that's something that really has not been with him in past seasons. I mean, he's had an ERA that has been unacceptably high in the first couple of years of his career. But seems like he's getting it under his belt. He's getting the hang of things and is off to an amazing start for the Brewers this year. Game three of this series, 4-2, Brent Suter got the win. Adrian Hauser was the starter. And Josh Hader, as I mentioned before, got the saving games one and three. Here's, here's where I want to take this conversation. Let's start with this starting pitching. Because they have just been lights out, not just this series, but the entire season. So as the Brewers stand 11-7 after sweeping the San Diego Padres, I think through the first 18, the Milwaukee Brewers offense has been so-so. I mean, it's kind of been there when they need it. 
And we'll get into that a little bit later as I have some stats here pulled up. But their their starters have been lights out at a pace I didn't really predict. I mean, it's really interesting because coming into this season, I thought the Brewers needed to add a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. I knew Brandon Woodruff was going to be the ace. I knew Corbin Burns was going to be the second pitcher in that rotation. Kind of having a good season. I figured he'd have uh, an above average season. I didn't think he'd be having this type of season. And there's a lot of baseball left, but I'm you know just saying coming into this year, and not to mention Adrian Hauser's been great. Not to mention Freddie Peralta's been great, who has been coming out of the bullpen in years past, but is now a starter. He's had some great numbers. And their fifth starter in the rotation, Brett Anderson, is kind of shaky. I'm not all in for him. But I thought they needed to add a starting pitcher coming into this year. And it turns out they're proving me wrong because their starting pitching is the reason that they have 11 wins in Major League Baseball, 11-7. and seven. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure last time we had discussed Brewers, we were talking about how good their offense was going to be or something to that tune and how much their pitching is going to continue to be a problem. And it's kind of funny how quickly that has switched. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's – and again, I think offense is kind of iffy, not just for the Brewers, but I think it's kind of iffy around Major League Baseball. I mean, we're mm-hmm. seeing this a lot where offenses aren't getting their footing underneath them just yet. And that could be an April thing. It could be a cold weather thing. It mm-hmm. could be – the fact that pitchers are just getting better and better as years go on. I mean, you can attribute that to multiple different causes. But the thing for the Brewers, when you look at their starting rotation, a team ERA of 271, which is the third lowest in Major League Baseball. Top two teams, by the way, are Dodgers, who, of course, mm-hmm. and the San Diego Padres are number one in team ERA. The Brewers just swept them, by the way. Interesting note I just looked at there. But nonetheless, 271 team ERA. And when you look at individual stats, Brandon Woodruff, after this series, a 196 earned run average. Four games started, 26 strikeouts in 23 innings. You go across to Corbin Burns, 40 strikeouts, no walks, 24 and one third innings. Two and one record. Two and one record. He has a loss. And he's still got a sub .4 ERA. <laughs> and he has a .37 earned run average. I mean. Just not very lucky in that one loss, I suppose. But right. nonetheless, when you look at this Brewers team, if they keep up at this pace, my goodness. My goodness, are they in for mm-hmm. a ride? They're in for a postseason. They're in for a division run and a World Series run that I don't think I would have ever expected. I definitely didn't expect them being this good coming into this year. I thought they were going to be – what did I predict? What was I, I predict like 70 and – I think kind of middle of the pack. Is what I, you went. I, I definitely went under 500, but like yeah. right in the middle. And they're proving me wrong so far through the first 18. Good for them. Do you think their offense could pick up? That's the thing that I'm a little concerned about. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to go on record saying this. The one piece that I think really needs to get on, that this whole offense could kind of swing on, of course, is Christian Yelich. Mm-hmm. But look at Keston here on the year yep. he's having. He's having an awful year. I think once Colton Wong comes off of the I.L., comes back into the lineup, I think you got to send Keston here to the alternate site. Get him some simulated games, get him some at-bats. I mean, he's really struggling. The strikeouts are incredibly up. The swing rate is incredibly high on pitches that aren't even close to the strike zone. I mean, he's expanding his zone, trying to do too much. And for a young player like that, that has to be assigned to an organization that he can't be on the major league roster right now because he's going to continue to hurt him, his numbers, us, our team, our stats, our record, he has to go to the alternate site, get some simulated at-bats under his belt, get some workout, get some fatigue out of his system, 
and then come back, join the team when they feel he's ready. But once, I, I, I mean, I, I want to be adamant on this. Once Colton Wong comes back, Keston here has to hit the road. Like down to triple A or like? Yeah, to the alternate side. Okay. I don't okay. mean like cut him. Okay. I mean like get him off the major league roster or, or, or the active roster right now mm-hmm. and just let him kind of find his stride. Because right now it's hurting the team big time. Right. Like they almost need to get, they need to find somebody with to bat confidently to kind of let the team kind of right. rally around. Yeah. And they're kind of like struggling to find that person right now. Yeah. Uh, granted, the last outing was really good. Well, yeah, yeah. But I think for the offense, I, th- you know, on the the piece, like you said, they're waiting for that one guy to really step up and and be that piece that the offense can fluctuate around. I think is kind of showing up. Omar Narvaez, who's mm. had a good series yeah. against the Padres, yeah. has had a good season to this point. He's had some very clutch hits. He's driven in some runs. He's being productive. He's hit some home runs. And that's a guy coming into this season I I was bashing on big time. That's a guy that I I, I, I mean, after the season he had this year, I was telling people he's going to bat 190, he's going to hit two home runs, drive in 15 into October. I mean, it's it, he's going to have a terrible year. Mm-hmm. And he's proven me wrong too. I mean, it seems like, you know what, well, I, I, I'm going to start trying this out. I think I actually have been trying this out. I just know what I'm doing now moving forward. Yeah. If you start bagging on some of these players, <laughs> I mean, just start – critiquing them and criticizing them, mm-hmm. saying they're not going to do good. They're going to do good. Yeah, especially probably because they listen to the show. Yes, probably because they're Tony G Show fans. I mean, avid Tony G Show fans, yeah. and they want to impress me. And I get it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. But I guess if I just keep begging on them. They'll play better. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So maybe the Bucks are going to pick it up too for <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I mean, Will, don't get me shouting. <laughs> this is an earlier version of the Tony G Show that we're recording at. So if I get yelling... And I wake up this neighborhood. Yeah. It's on Will McCormick. All right, whatever. Back to the Brewers. Interesting to see them. Another guy that I think is producing at a rate that I was bagging on when they brought him back was Travis Shaw, mm. third baseman, who's like third in the league, in the National League, and runs batted in with like 15, 16. All right, man, yeah. go off. Do your thing. Take that. Yeah, take that. I mean, really. To Tony G, stick it to me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you see, because it's like a win-win situation if I bag on players. Because then I'm right and I look good. Or if I'm wrong, then the team wins. Then they do better. Do you think this three-game win streak against the Padres is kind of, you know, say they lose one of these three. Then they're 10-8. and eight. Yeah. That's about, it's really close to 500. Like, they're still close to 500 at 11-7. I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Like, do you think obviously obviously they have a lot of work to do? Like, I guess, what are your thoughts on like you don't want to be overconfident in this team because they obviously have a lot of work to do yet? I I would definitely take it with a grain of salt because it is just the start of the season and it really seems like it's league wide that offenses aren't finding their stride yet. They aren't hitting their mark. I think it's league wide. I mean, there's been two no hitters already. Mm-hmm. Um, teams that are known for their offense, like the Red Sox or I don't know other teams like That's even the point. Padres. Right. They aren't producing at the rate i don't think anybody's in mid-season form right now well like three runs in three games for the padres is yeah abysmal well and that's the thing is that is it a and i guess this is what we're discussing but is it a offense thing league-wide or is it a pitching thing yeah I don't. and i think maybe it's both and that's why this is you know this is happening at this rate that the brewers starting pitching is so good Mm -hmm. the bullpen hasn't really been there yet for them it's been kind of shaky, but still good. I mean, there's still talent in that bullpen. 
especially talent for the future, some potential there with like guys like Drew Rasmussen, JP Fireisen, even Devin Williams, who's still, I mean, just about as old as we are. Well, <laughs> no less. It's interesting to see that this is like a league wide thing that this offense isn't really showing up yet. And I wonder if it's something that's going to change because we've talked about it on the show before. Major League Baseball has this initiative to try to bolster runs, to try to cater to fans or, or cater to casual fans, I should yeah. say. And they do that through bolstering their offense. They tampered with baseballs in 2020. I'm going to go on record saying that they officially did. And I think there's numbers that show that up, but I just want to officially say they tampered with baseballs early in their career, or, or, early in their career, earlier in past seasons. They did it. To try to pick up that offense. Now they stopped doing that. Offense is kind of left, and it's going to be interesting to see, to me, what's going to happen moving forward in Major League Baseball. Are they going to try to do something where they don't need to to pick up offense? Are they going to try to do something to take away from pitchers? Are they going? To, I bet they're going to start cracking down on pine tar usage. Yeah, that, I think that's going to be a huge thing. That's actually a good point. Like, so if if Major League Baseball was juicing baseballs, like yep. in twenty twenty, maybe that's why this like offense like this seems so like poor yeah this year because it's like we're so used to seeing these crazy good offenses i, I don't know maybe i'm just kind of shooting at the dark there but yeah well yeah i no, i think the the point is valid that after and i think it was the 2019 season actually where they were juicing baseballs That's right home runs were up for every team around the league at, mm-hmm. a, at a number that was just ridiculous so now it's kind of that aftermath that aftershock of now they're not doing it anymore so where's the offense right all right, so to, to reel back into the Brewer discussion here, where are they taking this season? How far can they uh, how, how far can they go with this? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question because it's so early in the season, but this is our Brewer's analysis through through eighteen, the first 18. Listen, it's going to take a lot to reverse the season of a Brandon Woodruff, a Corbin Burns, a Freddie Peralta, even like an Adrian Hauser right now. Because, I mean, the first three, four in this starting rotation is pitching at a rate that is unbelievable. And I saw somewhere on the offensive side of things that Travis Shaw is on pace for like 130, 40, 50 RBIs, which obviously he won't get to. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it could. <laughs> so I, I guess what I'm saying there with that point, it, I mean, it's possible, but it's impossible. So I'm saying with that point is that there's inevitably going to be a fall off here with some of the play. And I think once that comes for the Brewers, whether it's in April, whether it's in May, whether it's in July or August, can't be in September because you got to be hot, you got to be good mm-hmm. going down the stretch, which we have seen from them in past seasons. You know, after they get out of the All Star break, their play kind of tapers off a little bit. Yeah. So it can't be in September going down the stretch. They have to be hot and rolling going into playoff time if they do make it. But there's inevitably going to be a fall off in this play. You can't keep this pace the entire season, and I don't think anybody thinks that they will. But when that fall off hits, when they do start to taper their play a little bit, when they do hit a rough stretch, because that happens in a 162-game season of baseball, when that happens, you can't panic. As a Brewer fan, as a baseball fan, as a a player, you can't panic. You can't think that everything's going to become a wash now and you really have to start picking up your play. Because now you're going to put pressure on things that, I mean, don't they can't mm-hmm. function if there's pressure on them. Right. You understand? So this 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 fall off is coming. Just don't think it's going to be the end of the world when it does come. Well, and hopefully at that point, you know, the bats get hot. Right. Because the pitching, you're right, is at a level right now where it honestly can't get much better. Yeah. It almost literally can't. Literally cannot get better. So 
it's going to fall off. Yeah. I mean, knock on wood, hopefully it stays the same. <laughs> and then the you bats get hope, hot, yeah. and then they're really good. But yeah. you would hope that if the pitching does fall off, because it's probably going to happen, that they start hitting yep. a little bit more efficiently. You when when one tapers off, one can kind of pick up the slack. Yep. You're saying and, exactly, and that is always the hope. But it just never seems that way with no. baseball. It always seems like when teams hit a rough patch and they lose like ten or twelve or something like that, and they're really struggling. Mm-hmm. It seems like nothing goes right at the plate, on the mound, fielding. It just seems like nothing goes their way, and I mean that happens for every team. But you kind of you don't you don't. It's not kind of as as a major league team who is competing to try to win a division, go into the postseason, you have to make your own success sometimes. You have to make your own luck. You have to get creative. You have to switch up the lineup. You have to switch up players. You have to switch up uh, calls in certain certain situations, call a sacrifice bunt here when you normally would let a guy swing away. I mean, you kind of have to switch it up. And I think Craig Council, who, by the way, in his sixth, sixth season, is the longest tenured manager so far in the National League. Really? After six years, yep. Wow. And I, I heard that coming into, I heard that last season through five. That, that was his fifth year as That's a manager. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I heard that and I thought, wow, there's no other manager that has been in the National League for over five years now. Which is kind of crazy to think. Isn't it I mean, nuts? Yeah, that, that seems a little bit almost far-fetched. But. Yeah, I mean, well, for the longest time, I think Clint Hurdle was in Pittsburgh. That was He was there forever. Mm-hmm. I think... Oh, I'm trying to think of another one. I mean, Dave Roberts has been there for a while, but mm-hmm. Craig Council was there, was in Milwaukee before he was in Los Angeles. And I, yeah, not to knock on Craig Council, I think he's doing a pretty good job, yeah. considering. Yeah. So. And there was, uh, oh, what was his name in Washington that I think was there for a while? But yeah, I I think it's interesting to look at the turnover in MLB managers and coaches because that's something I don't think we've seen before. I mean. Six years, and that's the longest tenured manager. And I hope right. he, I hope he stays around. I hope Me he too. sticks around because he's a perfect fit for Milwaukee, and he's only getting better, more experienced. They've been to the postseason the last three years, 18, 19, and 20. So, I mean, there's always a chance that, you know, Craig Council could manage his way to a World Series. Mm-hmm. I mean, that hope is always there yeah. with that experience that he has. So I, I think that'll be an, an important factor to kind of tie this into what we were saying. When that drought hits and that play kind of tapers off, I think that's going to be an important factor to have an experienced manager there to kind of coach these young guys around and and coach them out of whatever slump that they find themselves in. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this season plays out. I mean, this is a very early analysis of you know the Brewers and Major League Baseball. I mean, it's only... 18, 20 games around right. Major League Baseball, but still no less. It's important to talk about this mm-hmm. because this is a play at a pace I have never seen in my life. I haven't seen something like this before. And now it's happening with my own home team. Hey, <laughs> you know, I got to talk about it. I do have to to discuss that. How about season awards? I want to talk Cy Youngs. <laughs> I mean, why not? You almost need to. I, I, I almost need to. I mean, I don't want to get too far into this it's because the it's the same early. situation. It's a way too early Cy Young discussion. But if I were to have to give it to one right now, it'd, it'd be Corbin Burns over Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff, who is the ace, by the way, the veteran guy in this rotation besides Brett Anderson. I think it's Corbin Burns, though. Yeah. And I mean, to to hone in on his stats again, I, I've given these already, 40 strikeouts, no walks, in 24 and one-third innings. Two and one record, a point 
a 0.37 earned run average. That's a lot of strikes. That's a lot of strikes, which shows me that's a lot of command, which is something he hasn't had in his career before. This is something he struggled with. Like 40, 40 strikeouts doesn't sound like a lot, but that is a lot of pitches. Well, especially through the amount of innings. I mean, he's almost averaging. I mean, he's almost averaging. He's eight strikeouts away right now, almost averaging two strikeouts an inning. Yeah, that's insane. That's nuts. That's like, a rate that, that like, doesn't happen. Yeah, and I'm not even a, like I'm a baseball fan. Yeah. And it's almost I, I but I'm not like an avid watcher. Like I'm not going to sit down and watch casual baseball. Fan. Yeah, I'm a casual fan. But even those numbers, it's like it's almost hard to understand how many pitches that is for 40 strikeouts. That's a lot. Yeah. And to have a .37 ERA. Yeah, that's nuts. And I mean, he's not. It's not like he's not playing good teams. I mean, the Padres are a good hitting team. Right. Cubs are always dangerous against Milwaukee. I mean, teams like that. I mean, just to kind of elaborate well, on that point, if there's one Cy Young right now on this roster, it's Corbin. I feel like, too, um, I mean, they're all major league teams, you know? Like, yeah. these guys can they, hit. They're professionals. They can hit. Like, they're not pitching at, you know, little leaguers here. Yeah, they're, they're not pitching at <laughs> Will McCormick and Tony G stepping in the box. Oh, boy. No. I don't think I could hit, I don't think I could hit one in 100 pitches. What was the one thing I was going to say here, Will? I was going to say, I was going to take this conversation. Oh, oh, I was going to say this as we wrap up this conversation with the Brewers. You know, I'm into the fantasy baseball. We've had Sam Fonder mm. on the show. We've talked fantasy baseball. And we're in a dynasty league, which means you get to keep a certain amount of players. At one point in my time, mm-hmm. I had Brandon Woodruff on my roster. I had Corbin Burns on my roster. I had Freddie Peralta on my roster. I don't have any one of them anymore because of their struggles in the past. You traded them or what? Just didn't keep them. Cut them. As season turnover, you you think you're going to get success out of other guys? I mean, come on! I how, mean, how, you know, yeah. no, no, now I got to rant. Now I got to, you know, I. How's if the, the mic wasn't so set, I would. If this microphone wasn't set, I'd step up. I'd stand up. Listen, the season's going fine. I have a good record so far. Okay. But here's the thing for me: is that's just how it goes. When I had Corbin Burns on my roster, you know what his ERA was? Like ten forty two. <laughs> I mean, that's comical i mean come on and then when i had brandon woodruff on my roster it was like four something and i was like okay well he's not worth keeping and look at him now i mean what mm-hmm. what do i have to do for the luck man <laughs> now i'm getting heated now now will mccormick's got me loud again well, let's wrap up this conversation though interesting season the brewers have had so far i'm very excited to see how this season will go they have a three-game series in chicago coming up yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. Through 18, well, 144 left to go. It's <laughs> a lot of baseball. It's <laughs> a lot of baseball games. That is a lot of baseball games. Going to watch them all. I, I'm going to try to. You're insane. You are mean and fired. <laughs> all, right. all right, let's move on to segment two in the Tony G Show. And for this segment, we got to bring up a name who we've discussed multiple times before, as we said in the open, because this guy just doesn't go away with the news. And he was in the news again yesterday as I was preparing for the Tony G show, figured let's, I mean, might as well. Let's Mm -hmm. revisit this topic. And we're going to look at the past and future of Antonio Brown, one of the most talented wide receivers at one point in the National Football League, who just can't stay out of the news and out of the headlines. So yesterday, per ESPN, Antonio Brown has settled his dispute with ex-trainer Brittany Taylor, who accused him of sexual assault. And again, per ESPN, this is Jenna Lane. A settlement was reached, but per the agreement, no terms can be disclosed. So what this kind of shows is that, I mean, 
He's guilty, right? Yeah. That's is that what this means? We were, we were discussing this pre-show. Like, I don't know. If I were accused of something to that nature, I would do everything in my power to to clear that of my name and not go for a settlement. Yeah. Just because a settlement to me says that something. I was guilty, must but I happened. apologized and they accepted. Yeah. That's exactly what that means. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say here. I think it's I, you know, it's kind of he's guilty. Not a great look. Not a great look for him no. at all. And no matter what, whether he is guilty or not, it's still inexcusable for Brown to engage in behavior to elicit these type of of disputes and headlines. Anyways, whether yeah, he's guilty anybody, or not, for anybody, it's, yeah, it's to not, get into the right. wrong people and kind of bring up these wrong headlines for anybody, right? Not even for Antonio Brown, but I mean, for anybody to engage in this type of behavior, you know, it's kind of a negative thing. Kind of. <laughs> Very negative thing. Good point. Good point. Well, I don't. You, kind of. I. You, you're right. It's, it's a sensitive topic too, because it's. Well, I mean, it's. It's not because it's a sensitive topic that I'm struggling to find words here. It's just the fact that. Like, what is there? What is there to say? I mean, yeah. he's kind of. It's guilty. Yeah. And it's just kind of that shock wave of. Which oh, he did this. I mean, does it he surprise you? I hate to say it, but at this point. With the type of news stories that have circulated around him in the past couple of seasons, I, mean, I no, not we're talking really. about a guy who threw a bicycle at somebody. Yes, like, I can't say. I could. Ne- I honestly, I, what in my mind would make me want to throw a bicycle <laughs> at somebody? Like that. I. You know, it's just. Yeah, I. I really don't. I don't. Even there's have nothing words to say. More. Okay, there's nothing to say. Let's say it. There's nothing to say. But it shows the potential for a correction in the future of Antonio Brown, does it not? I mean, this is a country of second chances. It is. And this is a guy who you could argue is past his second chance, but he's still kicking. He's still around. Apparently, he and uh, uh, Brittany Taylor, his ex-trailer on trainer, are on good terms. Settlement so. was disputed. I mean, in the statement, I read the statement from Brown and his his party. They said, you know, they wish Brittany Taylor the best of luck and said that they're still, you know, business partners or something like that. I don't know. I mean, hmm. I guess they're on good terms, so good for yeah. them. Regardless, Antonio Brown is going to be... Back in the NFL, it seems like. I mean, the guy's a free agent currently. So let's turn this conversation to which team would be the best fit for Brown. We'll give the top three. Here's the number one team I'm going to name here. Not as the best fit, but just because teams are, are, people are talking about this. The Green Bay Packers. The Packers wouldn't make a move like this in a million years. No. I know they wouldn't. No. I'd put money on it. I'm not a betting man, but I'd put money on it that Antonio Brown is not a Packer next season. Or ever. He's too much of a... Especially for an organization that values people who have a good head on their shoulders. Community, yeah. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. No. He'd be too much of a problem in the locker room. And I mean, I don't think it would be like a problem in the locker room. Because he did fine in Tampa Bay last season when they won a ring. I just think it's the fact that, you know, now their reputation is going to be a little bit scored because they're Mm -hmm. bringing in Antonio Brown. People are going to be looking at them like this team like a last chance you type of team, and the Packers yeah. are not that. They no. don't hold themselves like that. They're like a community-oriented team. Yeah, this I, isn't a move that they would make. Sorry, I, should, I shouldn't have said in the locker room because I have never experienced him in the locker okay, room firsthand, sure. but he's just not the personality that would fit this team. He's just he's not. Right. Can you name a, a Packer player with a personality like that in the last 10 years? I'm sure there's maybe a few, but they're not on the team anymore is a my personality point. Personality like what? Someone who gets in trouble all the time? Yeah, and is like constantly in the well, news about... I mean... Kabir Baja Bielamila. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of like okay, a cheat. So that's a cheat answer because all the things that came out with him were after he was retired. True. 
So, but still, point kind of remains. You know, there's just not many players that stick around in, in the Green Bay organization like that. He is not a fit. No, he's not a culture fit. I mean, even even if it was, even if he was like the most normal guy off the field, this still isn't a move the Packers would make because they just don't get wide receivers like that. Well, and money, but yeah, and money, which they have none of right now. Okay, so Packers aren't a fit. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's that's my number one team. I think yeah. he's probably going to go back there. Why wouldn't he? They don't need him because they already have lots of talent. But, I mean, this is like a Tom Brady organization team thing to do. Yeah. I shouldn't say organization because they didn't give him the most help in New England. But Tampa Bay is kind of like this team where they stack talent, have a lot of depth of talent. So, I mean, like there's nothing really more to say about that. That's probably the most likely option. But I'm going to throw this third team out there who I could really see playing a factor in where Antonio Brown plays next. Could you see, Will, the Tennessee Titans? I actually kind of like this. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's another team I, I want to mention, too. Okay. But the Tennessee Titans I could see as a possibility uh, pairing up with uh, A.J. Brown. Yep. So, I mean, having a, a deadly duo certainly helps. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, that's it's an interesting men- one. mention that they'd have Josh Reynolds, who is a young guy that I kinda, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of i a fan of on that Tennessee Titan roster. There's no more Corey Davis, so they have to fill that void. Yep. And if they aren't going to do it in the draft, and try to get somewhere else, uh, some depth, some positioning in the draft, go sign Antonio Brown. Have solid Brown and Brown, game. the duo. Yeah, solid running game, too. I mean, that's that makes it all the much easier to be a wide receiver, to yeah. have a good running game, set up to play action, which Antonio Brown can run well. I, I, I could see this being a match made in heaven. I could him. see, I could see this, I could just see him in a Titan uniform, too. I could. I mean, it, I just totally think could. it's very likely. I think that's like the dark horse, the, the wild card team. It would Tennessee be a Titan. Titans. It would be a Titan move too because he's not guaranteed to pan out, in my opinion. I think he's a right. good receiver, but he's kind of like in in Tampa Bay. He worked out because he basically needed to make four catches a game. Yeah. Maybe he's not in his prime. Actually, anymore. I don't even know if four catches that might be too much, but he didn't need to make a ton of big catches. He was here and there, made some plays, and that was it. But I mean, in Tennessee, he would be more of a exactly number two guy. I mean, the thing is, he's past his prime, so he doesn't have to be that guy. He, he should go somewhere where he doesn't have to be that guy. And it's like the J.J. Watt discussion where he's kind of out of his prime. He's been yeah. injured, so he can't be the number one guy. So we've named Packers, Buccaneers, Titans, Will McCormick with a fourth team. What about the Buffalo Bills? Mm-hmm. Yep. Would be an interesting one. You know, it's weird because every time I talk about the Titans, the Bills come up. It's like yeah. they're like the same organization. They're, they're almost in a... Very similar situation. Yeah, I would agree. I would I say could that, see that happening. I would say that the Bills have a better quarterback, but maybe a, a little bit less of a better running game, and the Titans have a little bit worse quarterback, but a better running game. It's 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 like flipped, you know. Yes. In the quarterback, running back position, but I would say their teams are overall in a very similar situation. Here's the thing, now I and this is completely off the top of my head. There yeah. is no basis for what I'm about to say, but. I believe that there has been connections in the past between Antonio Brown and Josh Allen. I don't know if it's like a they they've like a like a bad like connection just, or like a, like they like they've uh, talked with each other before. There have been talks about him going to Buffalo. Oh, I think that's yeah. off the top of my head. Right there, there's no whether it's just like one. a dap up when they're walking past each other, mm-hmm. like at the NFL award ceremony or whatever, even though there wasn't one or whatever it was. I think there's been a connection in the past between Allen and Brown. And I mean. Even if there's not, though, it'd still be a good fit. And he would still be a number two there because they got Stephon Diggs, who is coming off an incredible season. Right. Uh, So I could see that being a good match. I don't know if that'll actually play out. I have no idea what the Bills' cap space situation is like. Um, But it's one dimension. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly glad you brought that up because now 
We've given our top four teams for Antonio Brown. Just to kind of wrap up the discussion on him, wherever he goes, he has to stay in line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Tampa Bay might be the easier option for him. Yeah. And it's probably going to be what happens. But it'd be fun to see him go somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, it would be fun. But I think he'd probably stay in Tampa, too, because Tom Brady, I think, is someone who keeps him in check. Yeah. For some reason, those two have hit it off ever since he went to New England. To that point, would would Diggs and Antonio Brown be a bad character match? Mm. Just because they're both kind of, like, they're just outgoing people. You mean like kind of alpha dog type of... Yeah, they're both just like, they're both not strong-headed, but they just both have an outgoing personality, and I wonder if they would clash almost. Well, I mean, Mike Evans is in Tampa Bay. True. I don't think that... I don't think, I don't think it'd be too big of a problem. I think Antonio Brown kind of knows his role now. Yeah. In a way that he didn't before when he was with Oakland, who is now Las Vegas. True. I think he knows who he is now. I think he has a, better, a deeper understanding of himself as a player and a person. So I don't think that'd be too much of a Give problem. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. All right, let's leave that conversation where it stands. Uh, if something were to come up with Antonio Brown again, which I'm sure it would. Right after not the saying show. That, not saying, yeah, knowing how Tony G Show's luck goes, it'll be right after the show he'll sign somewhere. But not to say it's negative. I'm sure something will come out in the news with Tony, Antonio Brown, whether negative or positive, before next season kicks off. And if it does... We'll try to discuss it on the Tony G Show or maybe even Summer Ball, which, by the way, is coming this summer in the first week of June. Shameless plug there as we move into segment number three. This is a little bit of a fun segment. Let's have a good time with this one, Will. This isn't like a structured argument. Mm -hmm. This isn't a big debate. We've been having some deep conversations lately on the Tony G Show. So let's kick back and loosen up a little bit. The NFL, as Will McCormick literally kicks back. Okay. (laughs) All right. The NFL restructures their rules on jersey numbers by position. And before I get into these 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 rules and I, I break this all down, I'm just going to preview this segment. How we're going to do this is we're going to give the new rules. We're going to discuss a couple players coming into the NFL, some draft prospects and what numbers they should wear, and maybe players who are currently rostered right now. And just kind of play around with this segment, see where it goes. So before we get into these rules, there was a tweet yesterday from Juju Smith-Schuster at Team Juju on Twitter. He said, the NFL approved single-digit numbers for wide receivers. Should I switch? And it's a picture of him wearing number 9 instead of number 19. It's probably not going to be an already established player changing his number to a funner number or to a different number now Mm -hmm. that these rules are restructured. It's probably going to be new guys. When I first made this segment, I was saying what what players should change their numbers. Right. I mean, you can't really do that now because if you're an established player, you already have so many jersey sales, you can't really change your number now. Yeah, I was, I'm pretty sure there's regulations on, I think you can switch, but it has to be at a particular time. Yes. Because remember uh, Darnell Savage. Yep, that was the exact example I'm thinking of. Yeah, rookie year, he wore number 26. Everyone's like, you should switch to 21 for like, it was was it just because of 21 Savage? The yeah, rapper? the rapper. So, it, and he, he tried to switch. I think he did for like a week. And then the problem was he had too many jersey sales and couldn't. Yep. And now I think he's just stuck with twenty six. Yep. For just so, through his own his own choice, I think at this point. But so the the rule restructuring isn't on current players. It's on like 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 players going to new teams or you know because if their jersey sales have been sold to number twenty eight, now they can't be number fifty one. I, I don't right. know. I mean, so it can't be an already established player, which is why we're going to say three draft prospects that are coming from the draft into the NFL. What numbers they should wear or what numbers they probably will wear. Here are the new rules. A couple of changes here. 
There isn't any to the quarterback, kicker, and punter. They can only wear one through 19. But talent positions now are skilled positions, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, who have in the past been structured differently, are now all on the same level, either 1 through 49 or 80 through 89. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Isn't much change, I don't believe, anywhere else. Oh, yeah, there is. Here we go. Linebackers can now wear 1 through 59 or 90 to 99, and I like that one. Mm-hmm. How, I've always liked a middle linebacker wearing number two, number three. Really? Yeah, I think that's a cool look. I mean, I liked it in college, and you can do it in Madden. There's no yeah. rule structures in Madden. but <laughs> So might as well be real life. So might as well be real life. <laughs> okay. Secondary players, cornerbacks, and safeties who could only wear 20 through 49 in past seasons are now 1 through 49. So how about, you know... A nice little number 15 for a cornerback. A nice little number two. Number one, my cornerback. You know, I thought about this, like, before the show. I was, like, kind of like, what's my opinion on this? Because I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm old school, and I'm like, I don't like the new changes. But yeah, why? Why you know, why, why, these why, do, why don't I like them? Oh, why don't you like them? You know them? what I mean? I like, what, like, what, like, what ground am I standing on? Like, why does it matter what number these players wear? Are you for it, against it? What's your thoughts? I think it's the NFL trying to dispel the, the narrative that they're a no-fun league, mm. which they they are. They have been in the past. If this is their method about being no-fun, like to counter the no-fun league, then they got a lot of work to they do. They got a lot of work to do. I think it's a good start. But I, I would rather see dropped restrictions on, like, color wear or, or you know, people who try to wear cleats, Fancy dancy cleats. Yeah. I remember my Sean Lynch had like the all gold cleats going into the playoffs, and he only wore it for like the warmups, and he got fined for it. Yeah, it's like, that, come on, that, yeah. really? What, I mean, who cares? Or like the eye black. Sometimes people will write something like a tribute. I think there was a player who wrote a tribute to his dad, who was sick or something like that, and he got fined for it. It's like <laughs> what? Yeah, D'Angelo Williams, I think, was wearing pink cleats or something like that. The running back for the Steelers got that's fined right. for because his mom had breast His cancer. Mother. Yeah, I it's mean, like, really, like that's the type of stuff I'd rather like, be seeing changed. In. Like insensitivity, like they just they just want to control. Yeah, profit off control. of the players anywhere they can. It seems like. I mean, like I said, this is a good start. It'll be interesting to see if they make any more changes or so if like it's something not, along these lines. You're not against these these no certainly changes not. then. Mm-mm. I wouldn't say I'm either. I just I'm curious to see how it's going to pan out. I'm also curious. It's going to be interesting to see if like like I said. If this is where the the envelope stops, or if they continue to push it and loosen up their their stranglehold on some of the aspects that players take pride in, these three prospects, these draft prospects that are probably going to get drafted, that will get drafted, I'd like to see them wear that what they should wear. Devontae Smith was the running back, or excuse me, running back, wide receiver out of Alabama, who wore number six in college for Alabama. I say he throws that on wherever he gets drafted. And I could see that. Like, that would be cool. That I, that I can get behind. What about this one? J.C. Corn, the cornerback from South Carolina who wore number one in college. Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. What if he wore number one? Be weird, but kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> tight end wearing number one running down the field. But I can't believe that. Tight ends can wear single-digit numbers now. That is kind of weird. That is a little weird. I guess my point is, is that if younger players kind of take this and use these, these lower numbers, it'll make it more accepted. It's going to be fun to see how it pans out. I'm going to leave it at that. I think that's a good place to leave the show. I think we've discussed a lot in today's show. Yeah. All right. The Tony G Show is coming to a close here. Only three episodes left, Will. This was like our last real episode. 
Well, we got the. Well, yeah, you're right. Because we're gonna have a guest on each show next week, and then our season finale. I'm sure we're gonna do something a little different, like a five hour episode. Yeah, maybe ten. <laughs> we'll start at six, and we'll end at six a.m. and then at six p.m. That's twelve. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a good show. I don't think I'd get a single listen on that. Probably not. No, twelve hours. There's probably somebody. There's maybe one person. I actually do. I know one person who would listen to it. Go ahead, Aunt Jean. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd listen to the full thing. Sure, yeah, she would. Number one fan. She'd find her time to do that. And I mean, like, if we did a 12-hour episode in season finale, you'd have all summer to listen to it, too. <laughs> all right, it's settled. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, put it down. But don't forget, summer ball kicking off first week of June. That's right. As soon as season six concludes May 4th, or as soon as summer ball gets underway, season four of the Tony G show is going to be taken off on the podcast platform. So listen to it while you can. The Michael Pant episode will stay up. That is the 10th episode in season four, but that's the only one because it's a Tony G show interviews. The other nine episodes in season four are going to hit the bricks. Just like Will is heading into season seven. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Tony G show. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. We'll see you for the last three episodes starting next week of season six in the Tony G show. (laughs) 